the Holy Spirit is real. Can someone say amen? Well, do I have a witness in this room that can say amen to that? Amen. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit is God? You remember three in one? We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's hard to sometimes, it's very, it's, 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 it's hard to comprehend that because how can three be one? I would look at it in a way of, uh, in the way that I can most relate to it. There's certain things, for example, like God has always existed. He's the Alpha and the Omega, right? He's the beginning and the end. He's always existed. So has the Holy Spirit. He's the beginning and the end. Too. How can we comprehend that? It's hard for our mentality. Remember, we are in a, we are capped. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways higher than our ways. Can I get an amen? So there's certain things in the Bible that you just won't understand. It's hard for someone to always have existed. I may not understand it or comprehend it because my mind is limited. Our, our minds can't understand that, can't fathom that. We've always been taught there's always a beginning and there's always an end. But if God says it, who cares about what I comprehend? I believe it regardless. So we know that there's three in one. And look at it positive. You know, I can get the way that I can uh, uh, maybe express this to you guys is kind of like how the Miami Heat, they're one team, different functions, right? You have a guy, even though we won, we won the other day. Was it yesterday? Amen for that, yeah. Hopefully we win. I don't know. Aside from the Heat, well, you have different, uh, uh, you know, you have one team that has different functions, but they're the same team. Okay, but now we're going to dive in the Holy Spirit a little more. I have something here, and I I'm, I'm, don't want to overwhelm you. I have two preachings that I'm doing in one right now. And I'm going to tell you in detail, backing it up with scriptures, I will be doing more of a teaching in the first 15, 20 minutes of this sermon on the Holy Spirit and who he is and what the Bible says about him. I will be backing this up with Bible verses. So this, uh, you guys that are at home, you guys that are here, take notes. Because we will dive in very deeply today on who he is. And then we will be, uh, it's going um, to be epic what's going to happen in the next couple of minutes here in this church in this morning. And I believe that. If you are not already baptized by the Holy Spirit, you will be by the end of today. You have to believe it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. Father, have your way in this place in the name of Jesus. Lord, take me away right now. Take my thoughts out. Let it be only you right now flowing through me. Use me as your instrument for your people. Father, that your Holy Spirit have total control in this place in the name of Jesus. Amen. Who is the Holy Spirit? Church, focus with me. And today will be a life-changing day, and it's going to be amazing. I'm excited. Glory. Number one, I have some topics and then subtopics towards these. There's five main points on who the Holy Spirit is. And there's going to be subtopics on each of these topics. Already? First, the Holy Spirit is a person. Being a person. The Holy Spirit has feelings. Isaiah 63.10 in the New International Version says, Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Well, if someone grieves, what does that mean? They feel. Correct? Say amen, church. So he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against him. 
The Holy Spirit can become sad or angry. Look what it says in Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit can be insulted. Like we are all people, right? Dude, there's some similarities here. Can we, do we sometimes grieve? Do we sometimes get angry? Do we sometimes get insulted? Look what it says here. Hebrews 10.29. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Who has treated as an unholy thing the blood covenant that sanctified them and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? Come on, let's put it up there. Hebrews 10, 29, NIV. Let's go, guys. Come on. There it is. I want you to focus on the end there, you see. Who has insulted the Spirit of Keep going, of grace. That's the spirit of grace is another name for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be insulted. Church, are you with me? Say amen. amen. Good. You're learning now about the Holy Spirit. I'm doing a whole crash course right now that you should be doing a 10-week course in, in a university <laughs> so you can understand about the Holy Spirit. But this is I know this is what God wants you to hear. Churches don't talk too much about the Holy Spirit, but in this church we do. Hallelujah. And we will continue to. Glory. The Holy Spirit has intentions. In Nehemiah 9.20 it says, you gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths and you gave them water for their thirst. Now this one, the next one, the Holy Spirit testifies. What do you mean by testify? First, let me back this up with scripture. Look what it says in John 15, 26. John 15, 26, NIV. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. The advocate's another name for the Holy Spirit. At the end of this, well, at the end of this first part, I will be giving you all the different names of the Holy Spirit and backing it up with scripture. For now, stick with me. We're getting somewhere. Hallelujah. When the advocate comes, who will I, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So testify. The Holy Spirit testifies. What does that mean? What's the definition? Let's go to the definition of testify. Number one, to give evidence as a witness in law and court. He represents you, ladies and gentlemen. He's your attorney. Say amen, church. Amen. Who doesn't want God to be the one backing them up in court? <laughs> Glory. Number two, serve as evidence or proof of something's existence. You are marked by the spirit of God. If you are a believer in Christ, someone say amen. amen. Glory. A nice example will be how you are marked. Well, if you are an American citizen... And you travel quite often, you have an American passport. If you are a European citizen, you will have a European passport. How many of you here are from the most high kingdom of God and you have a heavenly passport? Put your hands up and say hallelujah. You are marked. You have, you have heavenly citizenship because you got the Holy Ghost. Glory. You are a citizen of the most high. He loves, teaches, and prays for us. Look what it says here, Romans 8, 26 through 27. 
In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. How many times have sometimes we've been weak? The Bible says, for one, we are weak, who is strong? Come on now. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Look at that. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Holy Spirit, isn't this crazy, right? But it's great. I don't understand. Believe, my friends. Believe. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. So number two, the Holy Spirit has always existed. Let's always keep that in mind. And he was present during Jesus' life here on earth when Jesus was here in the form of a man. He was present during each stage of Christ's life in the very beginning when Jesus took the form of a man. How about this? Look what it says in Luke 1, 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. This is the Holy Spirit. This is, this is when the angel spoke to uh, Mary. How was Mary? Remember vir the Virgin Mary? She was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit was the seed that was imparted in Mary's womb. Glory. And in the baptism of Jesus, Matthew 3.16, this marked the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. You guys remember? If not, listen up. Here we go. Matthew 3.16 says, when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove. Glory be to Jesus. Number three, the Holy Spirit works in the lives of a believer. If you're a believer, put your hands up. Come on, church. So the Holy Spirit works through me and you. Jesus put a lot, a lot, a lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit. Look what it says here in John 14, 16 through 17. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because if he doesn't see him or know, because he doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Hallelujah. Two main points mentioned here. The Holy Spirit was already real and he was about to come. Remember that the Holy Spirit didn't, didn't come until the day of Pentecost. Jesus preached about it. In the Old Testament, there were certain times where the Holy Spirit did show in certain, in certain times. But it wasn't like how it is now with the new covenant that we have in Christ. When Jesus Christ ascends to heaven, he told the, he told the, the disciples to wait. They were in the upper room waiting. And the day of Pentecost was the 50th day after Jesus had ascended to heaven. This is after he resurrected from the grave. Is the day that the Spirit of the Lord fell upon them and they were baptized. I'm going to get to that now. I just want you to understand. If you're with me, say amen, church. Amen. Hallelujah. 
From Genesis to Revelation, from the beginning to the end, the Holy Spirit has always existed. He comforts us. He helps us. He reminds us. He teaches us. He comes alongside us. Hallelujah. He intercedes for you and he counsels you. Number four, the Holy Spirit works in the world through evangelism. You see, when you, when you evangelize, when you tell others about Jesus Christ, remember, we all have the freedom to choose what we want to choose. You can't force someone. But you see, it's the Holy Spirit that, does, that, that, that influences you to make the decision yes or no. And that's part of evangelizing. You pray for someone and you leave it in God's hand and the spirit of God will take care of it. Say amen. He gives you the feeling of conviction. The, the, that feeling of when you feel sorry for what you've done. Or he, he will, first of all, remind you and lead you and help you lead you to repentance. You know what I'm saying? When you make that mistake and the Lord is like, hey. Yeah, well, that's the spirit of God talking to you giving you the spirit of conviction. The spirit of conviction does two things. It'll lead you to repentance, and it'll also stop you from making a mistake. If you listen to that voice that tells you don't go through there. Come on, church. One thing is to lead you to repent, and another thing is for you to listen to the spirit of God so that you don't fall into that trap. Come on, church. We're getting somewhere here. Hallelujah. Look what it says here. Number five, the power of the Holy Spirit changes lives. Look what it says here in Acts. I want you to read this now. Watch this. Acts 1, 7 through 8, NIV. It says here. This was right when the disciples were asking Jesus about what's going to happen. This is before Jesus ascended to heaven. The disciples were asking him about the future, what's going to happen. And this is what Jesus told the disciples. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods. I'm preaching to someone here. That the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses in all the, to the ends of the earth, in all of Judea, all of Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In Miami, in your job, in your family, in your marriage. In your relationships, you will be my witness. Why? Because of the power, the spirit of God, hallelujah, that's in you. You receive the Holy Spirit once you, once you look, there's a big difference here. And now I'm going to dive in to what I'm going to dive in in the second part, part two of this sermon. There's a big difference between receiving the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to get into that in a little bit now. But before I do, I want you to hear this real quick. The different names of the Holy Spirit before I get into being baptized and receiving the Holy Spirit. 
Different names of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready, church? Are you ready watching me live? All right. He is the Spirit, number one. Number two, he is the good Spirit. He is the eternal Spirit. He is the Lord. And let me, let me back this up with, with a verse in, the, in the 2 Corinthians 3.17. It says, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the, put this up, I need to put this up. 2 Corinthians 3.17 NIV. Come on. You got it. Let's go. <laughs> there we go. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. So what does that mean? That's right there, what I just said. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. freedom. Say freedom. freedom. Say I am free. Glory. Free. I love that verse. Woo. Number five, he is the helper. And now number six, he is the spirit of, then there's a bunch that I'm going to read right now. Get this, listen to it this week. It's going to be up on our website, okay? If you really want to, because I'm talking pretty fast. I don't want to overwhelm you, church. I want us all to be in the same page. But eventually you can take your time when you're at home. And those of you that are watching live, maybe you're going to write. I don't know how fast you can write down or if you're here. I'm going to give you all the names. I'm going to back it up with the verse. He's the spirit of A. Ready? The spirit of the sovereign Lord. Isaiah 61 verse 1. He is B. The spirit of the Lord. You have there Isaiah 11 2, Acts 5 verse 9. He is the spirit of God. Genesis 1 to 2, 1 Corinthians 2, 11, and also Job 33, 4 states this. He is the spirit of the living God. Guys, we are speaking life right now. Listen, to, like, this is life. Receive what you're listening to. This is the word of the Lord that I'm saying out loud right now. Like this is, the devil is pissed right now, huh? Good. And wait till we get to the end of this. He is the spirit of the living God. 2 Corinthians 3.3. 3. He is the spirit of your father. Matthew 10.20. He is the spirit of Christ and the spirit of his son. Romans 8.9. 1 Peter 1.11. Galatians 4.6. He is the spirit of life. Guys, receive all of this that I'm speaking. I'm talking to myself, and I know you're receiving this because this is what we have. This is what's in us. Glory be to God. The, sp the spirit of life is Romans 8, 2. The spirit of grace, Hebrews 10, 29. The spirit of prophecy, Revelation 19, 10. The spirit of truth, John 14, 17. In John 15, 26, the spirit of holiness, Romans 1, 4, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, hallelujah. Ephesians 1, 17, spirit of justice or judgment, Isaiah 28, 6, the spirit of fire, glory be to God, Isaiah 4, 4, 
the spirit of glory. 1 Peter 4, 14. The Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, is God's active force in action. And we have that power if you believe in Jesus Christ. Put your hands together if you believe that. Hallelujah. And lastly, lastly on this part, he is the author of the Bible. Yes, we many disciples wrote, and, and you have many people that wrote in the, wrote in the Bible, but the Spirit of the living God is the one that gave them what to write. He is the author of the Bible, and I'm back it up with this verse, and then we're going to go to part two. 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21, NIV. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. Hallelujah. Now you know that the word of the Lord comes from the Lord. Not from man, from God. Hallelujah. Now, one of the many ways, well, one thing is to receive the Holy Spirit. One thing is to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. What's the difference? Well, the first one, if you, receive, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've already received the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. We all have it. But not all have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. And the, and the way that you can tell if someone has been baptized by the Holy Spirit is through something called tongues. Speaking in tongues. You see, I'm sure you may have heard of it. Maybe you have not, but now you will. If you haven't, and if you have, many people believe that this is a thing of the old. Uh, many churches don't preach on this, but we do because this is power. And we want to equip ourselves with everything that the Bible has to offer for us. I want to make sure I have every single weapon of warfare along in my, in my, in my you know, in, in my locker. <laughs> if I'm ready to use it, I got it. And if I know it's there and the Lord says it and it's in the book of Acts, because we are living in the Acts. We are living right now in the same, the same power that resurrected Christ from then, the same tongues that delivered and baptized thousands of people, the same power, glory be to God, that was manifested in the day of Pentecost. We are living in the days right now. Until the second coming of Christ, which he hasn't come yet. When he will, amen, we'll go and we'll be with the Lord. But right now... We are living in Acts. We need to act. So let's go to Acts. Let's start from the beginning where it all started. Acts 1, verse 4 through 5, ESV. And while staying with them, this is Jesus, right, talking to the disciples, okay? When I told you about the day of Pentecost. Now we know what's going on here where we are historically. Put yourself as if you were one of the disciples and you're here talking to Jesus after he resurrected. Are we all there? Say amen. Good. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Stay here. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. 
So we're here. I watch Jesus tells us this. Boom. Now, on the day of Pentecost, now Jesus ascends to heaven. Now we're all in the upper room praying, waiting for what Jesus said was going to come. It's going to come. Obviously, we know it's 50 days later, but let's pretend we don't even know it's 50 days later. We're there with them. We're here with Jesus, waiting on Jesus. We're all the disciples. We're all praying, waiting on whatever the Lord said was going to happen. What is this baptism? I don't know. But I know the Lord said it, so they were obedient. They waited in the upper room. Look what it says here in Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Let's picture us all right now in the upper room. Those of you watching me live, you're there with us too. Don't worry. And suddenly, say suddenly. There came, a, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Verse 3. And divided tongues as a, as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. The Bible that kept going on, if you keep reading it, I'm not going to read the whole book of Acts right now. It's already 12 o'clock. That day... Not only were they baptized, but they talk about thousands of people got baptized by this power. And they were speaking in different tongues. That moment. Now I want to take you several years later. Okay. Look what it says here in Acts 5. Now we're, excuse me, Acts 8, 8 through 5. Now we're jumping. I'm just going to give you a quick example on how this continued. And obviously this is still going on today, ladies and gentlemen. This same power, you have the ability to activate it and be baptized by it. Glory be to God. Acts 8, 8 through 5. Look what it says here. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Now let's jump to verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. You can see here that it's evident that every believer... Has, I, this, this, is, this is an experience that you have after you've been saved. And this is an experience that you're going to experience today. If you have not already been baptized by the Holy Ghost. Look what it says here in Acts 19, 1 through 3. So you can understand the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit and being baptized by him. This is in the King James. I'm just going to read it out. Stick with me. Church, if you're with me, say amen. amen. And it came to pass, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul has passed through the upper coast and came to Ephesus. And he found certain disciples and he said unto them, have ye received the Holy Ghost that ye believed? 
have you received the Holy Ghost that you believed in? He's asked these people, and they said unto him, we have not so much have even heard that there even has been a Holy Ghost. And these were people that were believers, but they didn't know. Maybe there's some of you in here that, have, that are believers but have no idea. And this is a perfect example. And this is what Paul did to one of his other disciples. Come on, someone say amen. And he said unto them, unto what then ye were baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism, which is being baptized under water. There's a difference between being baptized submerged and being baptized by the Holy Spirit. There's another difference with that too. And this is all clear right here. Then verse 6 says, And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they speak with tongues and prophesied. Come on, someone. When Paul laid his hands on them, they began to speak in other tongues. You see, speaking in tongues is, an, is a supernatural sign or evidence that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. In my own life, there's times where I man of like I I I I speak in tongues, and I'm gonna get to now, real quick, before I pray. Give me one second. The more and more you pray in tongues, the more and more you see the manifestation and the other gifts that the Spirit of God will begin to reveal to you, and you will begin. It will begin to come out of you. It's, it's, it's power. And this power, we need to begin to preach it. And it's not even about your, some people are like, what is this tongues? I'm going to get into that right now and how, how, it, how it is and how the enemy tries to stop you from utilizing it to make you seem like you're foolish. Because he knows the power that's behind it. And he's scared. <laughs> he's very scared. Very scared. Know what it says here. Check this out. Ten reasons why we should speak in tongues. Number one, and I'm going to go quick, and then we're going to pray. You ready, church? Say amen. amen. Reason number one, tongues is the initial sign. Acts 2.4 says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Reason number two, tongues are for spiritual edification 1 Corinthians 14 4 says he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself edify build up come on escalate yeah edifying we want to be continuously edifying ourselves who wants to be edified daily who wants every area of their life to be edified so right here number two it is a spiritual edification. Number three, tongues reminds us of the Spirit's presence. John 14, 16 through 17 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Verse 17 says, Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. He dwells with you and will be in you. Hallelujah. Reason number four. Praying in tongues is a praying line with God's perfect will. Hold up. What do you mean? 
It is extremely selfless. It ain't selfish. Because when you pray to God, how many times, God, help me, help me, you understand what you're saying. Vite. You see, when you're praying in tongues, you don't understand what you're saying. So it's not about you. It is a selfless act. Huh? Isn't that crazy, right? It's a beautiful thing, right? It is a direct line with God. You're saying things you may not understand, but you know that God's receiving it. God knows you're being obedient. God sees that. He receives it. I mean, wow. Because I, and, and the Bible says that no man, no one understands it except God. Not even the enemy. Oh, so you have a direct line of direct access. Let me back this up. It's not selfish at all. Praying in tongues, this is reason number four, is praying in line with God's perfect will. Let me back it up with scripture. Romans 8, 26 through 27 in the ESV says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep. You know what? Put this on. I need you to put this on. For Romans, put this on for me, guys. Romans 8, 26 through 27. I need them to see this. Some people are visual learners. I'm like all types of learning. I need a touch. I need to see. I need to hear. <laughs> Amen. Look what it says. Go to verse 27. And he who searches the heart knows the mind of the spirit because the, in, the, the spirit intercedes for God's people in, court, in accordance with the will of God. Go to the next verse. Come on. 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good. Hallelujah. For those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Speaking in tongues keeps selfishness, selfishness out of our prayers. How many of us can use that? All of us. All of us. And your mind doesn't comprehend it. It doesn't understand it. Woo! Man, this is good. If you're receiving church, say amen. I got five more. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. Number five, praying in tongue stimulates our faith. Who wants their faith to be stimulated? It's going to say amen. Look what it says in Jude 20. Look at this. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, building yourself up and praying in the Holy Spirit. It stimulates your faith. It, it, look, check this out. If the Holy Spirit supernaturally directs the words I speak, faith has to be exercised because I don't know even what, I don't know what the next word's going to be. Oof. And when you're speaking these, it really sounds like gibberish to the mind. But you see, it has to be faith because when you're doing it, you know God's hearing it. You know God receives it. There's faith activated in that. So we want to build up our faith. Say amen. Reason number six. Speaking in tongues is a means of keeping free from worldly contaminations or distractions. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 28. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. I'm not gonna, we're not going to have a sermon of me speaking in tongues because you're not going to understand it. 
But God will. That's why he said, do it to yourself. You have a direct line with God. You're not contaminated by anything else. You're just only you and God. Two reasons why Paul said this. Number one, we can't understand it. Number two, while you're living your life, riding on the train, in the bus, in the plane, in your car, taking a shower, wherever you are, you can speak to yourself and God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Reason number seven. Praying in tongues enables us to pray for the unknown. The Holy Spirit who knows everything is God. He can pray through us for things which we don't even know. And our natural minds know nothing about. Reason number eight. Praying in tongues gives spiritual refreshing. Hallelujah. I know I'm taking a little long today, church, but I'm getting somewhere. Isaiah 28, 11, 12 says, For by people of strange lips and with a foreign tongue, the Lord will speak to his people. To whom he said, this is rest, give rest to the weary. And his response, yet they would not hear. So right here it says it. For people with strange lips and a foreign tongue, the Lord will speak to this people. There's power here. Number nine, I'm almost done. Tongues is for giving thanks. Believe it or not, 1 Corinthians 14. Look what it says here. Verse 15 through 17. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Verse 16. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can in anyone in the position of an outsider say amen? To your thanks, look what it says here. Say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying. For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. In this case, you are giving thanks. People don't understand it. That's what Paul's saying here. Now number 10, the last one. If you're with me, church, say amen. Speaking in tongues brings the tongue under subjection, under domination. James 3.8 says, but no human being can tame the tongue, for it is restless evil full of deadly poison. We know the power that there is in the tongue. So when you're doing that, you already know. You're, you're taming the tongue. Hey, you're, you're edifying your spirit, building up your faith. Have a direct access to God. Hallelujah. And there is power. Because in Acts 1.8 it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. In all of Samaria and Judea and Judea and the ends of the earth. Stand to your feet, church. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. So check this out. This is not a thing where you can think of with your mind. This is not, your flesh cannot have any part of this. Your intellect cannot have any part of this. What they taught you in school cannot have any part of this. You cannot. It is uncomprehensible. It is something that goes against the norm. People will think you're crazy. And I'm not saying, ladies and gentlemen, if you are trying to talk to someone about Jesus outside of church, don't start speaking to them in tongues because they're going to think you're crazy. Paul himself said it. 
But here right now in this moment, we're talking about it and we're going to get it done right now. And this is going to be a tool you will use for the rest of your life. This is not an evangelical tool. We're not here to... This is, this is just us as a witness. This is something that we'll, we can testify. People will know. I will know because I'm already a believer and I've been baptized. And there's other people here that have been baptized by the Spirit of God. But this isn't a tool to be used as an evangelistical purpose, okay? Let's get that clear. Please, don't start saying to some guy that you don't know and that does not know Jesus. This is, this is next level stuff, guys, okay? But guess what? It's a tool that you need to use and the church isn't preaching it, but we do because there is power. Things change. You edify your faith. You build yourself up. And you're being obedient. And you have direct access to God. And man, the devil does not like that. He's going to try to tell you every reason why you shouldn't be talking all this gibberish. And what the heck are you saying? But you know, those words go straight to your king. And it's a manifestation of the spirit of the living God. If you want to be baptized by the spirit of the living God, I want you to come up here right now. I'm going to pray for you. Walk up here. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Come on. You will receive power. And suddenly a sound came from heaven. They began to speak in other tongues and they were baptized, says the word of the Lord. Come on up here. Now, if you've already had this gift, this is for those that have already received Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen. Those that are believers but want to be baptized by the Spirit of God right now. Baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, those of you that are here, if you know how to speak in your native and in your, in your tongue, start speaking it right now. So what happened was that Paul laid his hands on them and they began to speak in other tongues. Those of you that are up here right now, those of you that are watching me live from the internet, the same power that's here right now is there with you. This is not a religious thing. This is a Bible thing. This is a God thing. And there is power when you speak in tongues. And to be baptized by the Spirit of God, you have to get out of your mind completely. It's like if you're speaking gibberish, things that you don't understand. And the enemy wants you to be thinking with your mind, just start speaking out. It's, it comes from within. 